Listener supported. WNYC Studios. After he saw how the candy bar melted, he put an egg under the magnetron tube and that exploded and covered his face in egg. And thanks to that, we have the microwave. Hello, hello. Science Diction is back with another round of Diction Dash, where I try and usually fail to guess the true meaning or origin of a word. We've got a big old pile of words that you, our dear listeners, have sent to us. So today, with the help of a couple friends, we are tackling two of them. I'm Johanna Mayer. This is Diction Dash. First up, Justine Paradise, a reporter and producer at Outside In from New Hampshire Public Radio. Hi, Justine. Hi, Johanna. What listener-suggested word do you have for us? I have selected the word syzygy. Syzygy. How do you spell that? So actually, I read that this is the shortest word in the English language containing three Ys, which I, I can't definitively confirm that to be true. I didn't go through the whole dictionary, <laughs> but um, but three Ys and six letters is a very bold choice. Um, so it's spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Syzygy. Okay. And before we get to the, the, the quiz part of this, I'm just going to give you two clues. So this is a word that has um, Latin and before that Greek and before that Proto-Indo-European origins. Oh, boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but essentially, the Greek root word for this is suzugia, which further breaks down to the root sin, which means together, and zygon or zygon, meaning mm-hmm. yoked or paired. And the three Ys, I would say, are also a clue. Oh. Um, it is like the, the Sherlock Holmes mystery, a sign of three. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I feel still completely adrift <laughs> and I still have no idea despite these clues. So in Syzygy, does this concept of yoking together refer to, one, the situation in which two eggs are fertilized, so these are zygotes, and one of them splits, and then those three zygotes are triplets forming inside the womb. So that's option one. Two, the orbital alignment of three or more celestial bodies. So like two moons and a planet. That's very poetic. And then the third option is a chemistry term referring to a triple bond, which is a chemical covalent bond involving two atoms and six bonding electrons. So carbon monoxide, for example, is triple bonded. So the three options are the zygotes, orbits, or chemical bonds. Um. I also just have to say that I'm very, like, two of these answers are fake, and I'm very impressed with your fake answer writing <laughs> skills. <laughs> they all sound very real and very plausible. Well, I will say that they are all real things. Uh... They, they're all real. They're just, they're not all a syzygy. Okay, I have no clue, so I'm going to go with my, just the one that I liked the sound of the best, which is B, the celestial uh, planets aligned. Hey, you got it right. Is that it? Oh, good. I love that. That is it. So syzygy, it has a few meanings, um, but the most commonly used is this one in astronomy. Um, It refers to the alignment of any three or more celestial bodies, but you mostly hear it talked about in relationship with Earth, the moon, and the sun. So a syzygy, if you picture the Earth, the moon, and the sun, we're all kind of rotating around each other. Um, But twice a month at the full moon and the new moon, the moon, the sun, and the Earth are all all in a row. They're like in alignment. They're in a syzygy. Mm -hmm. So during the new moon, it's um, sun, moon, Earth with the moon in the middle. And during the full moon, it's Earth in the middle. 
So this actually became quite relevant recently. Um, did you hear about the, the, I'm sure you did, the container ship in the Suez Canal recently? Um, one of my all-time favorite news stories, yes. Right. <laughs> Followed it closely. Extremely relatable. Yes. <laughs> getting stuck in a canal, blocking global shipping traffic. Yes. <laughs> so Syzygy actually became very relevant here because it helped engineers to free this ship. Basically, what happens in these moments is the gravitational force of the moon and that of the sun combine in such a way that it makes the oceans bulgier. So these the high tides are higher and low tides are lower. It happens twice a month. These are called spring tides. And this was no ordinary syzygy. Um, it was a supermoon, which is when a syzygy coincides with the moment in the moon cycle that's closest to the Earth, so extra potent. So this helped them float the ship out of the place where it was stuck because the tides were a foot and a half higher than normal. Was that something that they were tracking and like watching for? Yes. Yeah. And they knew it was going to happen. And so they had to prepare for it. And you know, they, they had this one opportunity because then two weeks after that, it's also the lowest tide. So it was oh, a real window. They would have been in a very real pickle. Yeah, exactly. So this time a syzygy helped, but sometimes it hurts. Like during Hurricane Sandy, there was also a supermoon syzygy. But in that case, it increased storm surge and exacerbated flooding and erosion. So it can have all kinds of effects, right? There's one more bonus thing that I can tell you, which that um, syzygy is, I, I mean, I love the word. It's such a fun word, but I will say that I'm not the only person to think so. Like a lot of people really like this concept. It's the name of characters in sci-fi novels. It's a concept in Russian philosophy. There's an electronica group named for syzygy. Like, the list goes on. I was going to say Supermoon Syzygy sounds like a rock band. You should start it. <laughs> I feel like I can see the the t-shirt with, like, the moon in the background and, like, the lightning bolts for the S and the Y and the Gs in it. Oh, man. You really have a vision. I do. This is great. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Justine. This is really fun. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Next up, I fail a pop culture quiz I didn't even know I was taking. I went with a word that I first heard in a very popular early 2000s rom-com, uh, serendipity. Ooh, which rom-com? Uh, it's, uh, it's serendipity. And I find out which country's name is hidden inside that word slash apparently very famous movie that I have never heard of. Next up, Eli Chen, senior editor of Overheard at National Geographic. Hey, Eli. Hey, Johanna. Thanks for having me on. What listener suggested word do you have for us today? So I went with a word that I first heard in a very popular early 2000s rom-com, uh, serendipity. Ooh, which rom-com? Uh, it's uh, it's Serendipity. It was starring... Oh, it's called Serendipity. <laughs> yeah, it's starring John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And in the movie, it's the name of this ice cream shop that she's obsessed with. It's also, like, one of her favorite words. She tells him over, like, I don't know, coffee or something that it means fortunate accident. Okay, must watch this movie. So, uh, Johanna, I'm going to give you three options to guess the origin story of this word. Alrighty. Okay, option A, it's an extension of the word serenity to describe how accidental discoveries seem to be made when a person is in a serene or calm state and not intending to make that discovery. B, it's a reference to an old fairy tale about three princes uh, from a place called Serendip who go on adventures and discover things by chance. Okay. 
and see it's a word that came from English pirates in the late 1600s when they unexpectedly came across islands with rich resources. Okay, let's do a quick recap. So serenity, fairy tale, pirates, and islands? Yes. Okay. I loved A so much. I'm just going to go for that. Actually, it's the weird option. It's B. It's the old fairy tale. That's wild. So um, there's a little bit of a convoluted story behind this, so just kind of bear with me. But it was coined by this 18th century English writer named Horace Walpole. And when Horace was a young man, he visited Florence and became super obsessed with this painting of an Italian duchess named Bianca Capello. Hmm. And... He was so, like, taken by her beauty that he would stare at this portrait for hours. And then some years later, a friend of his who uh, was a British envoy to Florence came across this painting, and he buys it, and he mails it to Horace. And Horace writes a letter to this very generous friend. He's so excited about this chance encounter Mm -hmm. between his beloved painting and his friend that he's inspired to come up with a new word, which is serendipity. He pulls this from a very old Persian fairy tale called The Three Princes of Serendip. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, this fairy tale is about how this king, who was the father of these three princes, wanted them to have the best education they could possibly get. So he has the wisest men in their kingdom teach them. And then um, then the king banishes his sons from the kingdom to force them to get out in the world and gain some life experience. (laughs) Yeah. So then the princes go on a bunch of random adventures where they use their wits to figure things out because they're so educated now. And um, if I could be totally honest, when I read a little bit about this fairy tale, like the events in them didn't really seem all that serendipitous. It's more like the princess go around solving mysteries. But I guess Horace saw some fortunate accidents there, so he gave us this word. Okay, so let me see if I have this story. It's like, guy sees painting, falls in love with the painting, friend surprises that guy by sending him the painting. He's so moved that he comes up with this word, serendipity, that is an homage to an old fairy tale related to the land of, was it serendip? Yeah. Okay, Serendip was the name of the place? Yeah, you got that. So funny enough, the word Serendip, actually, uh, it's an old Persian word for Sri Lanka. So in sort of an interesting roundabout way, um, Serendipity is actually about Sri Lanka. I had no idea. Yeah, so serendipity can be a very important thing in science in that researchers will set up an experiment to find something, and then they'll discover something totally different and useful along the way. So there are famous examples of that in history, like the discovery of penicillin and also microwaves. And for anyone who doesn't know, what's the serendipity in penicillin? Yeah, so penicillin is one of the most talked about examples of like accidental scientific discoveries. In the late 1920s, a scientist named Alexander Fleming was studying Staphylococcus, which is a type of bacteria known for causing all kinds of terrible infections. Oh, yeah. Staph infections. Yeah, yeah. And so he had some in a Petri dish, and then he went on a two-week vacation and didn't realize he left it out on like a lab bench. And somehow a penicillium mold spore got introduced to the Petri dish, probably from a nearby lab that was culturing all kinds of molds. 
And what resulted was like this antibacterial substance um, that Fleming later called mold juice. And it weakened. <laughs> yeah. Lovely word Ew. for it. Yeah. Yeah. He called it mold juice. And it basically kept that bacteria from growing. So Fleming didn't actually recognize the significance of this for like more than a decade. He kept trying to use it as like a topical antiseptic. But thanks to his accident, penicillin became our first mass-produced antibiotic. Okay, so now we got to hear about microwaves. Yeah, um, microwaves is really interesting. It's all because of an engineer's snack. So there was an engineer at Raytheon, which made all kinds of stuff for the military, and it's this guy named Percy Spencer. In 1946, he was standing near a magnetron when he noticed that a candy bar in his pocket had melted. Wait, do we know what kind of candy bar? Just curious. Yeah, so there's kind of a cute story behind it. Um, So I read this popular mechanics article uh, where, you know, they interviewed uh, Percy Spencer's grandson. And he said his grandfather always carried around like a peanut cluster bar in his pocket that he'd break up and feed the squirrels during his lunch hour. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so cute. Yeah, it is. It is super cute. And thanks to that, we have the microwave because the magnetron was melting his candy bar with electromagnetic waves, specifically microwaves. So after he saw how the candy bar melted, he put an egg under the magnetron tube and that exploded and covered his face in egg. <laughs> and, and then the following day, he brought corn kernels and he used microwaves to pop them. And he shared that popcorn with everyone else at the office. And that's basically how he discovered microwaves could be used to cook food. So microwaves have their origins in office snacks, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Eli Chen, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Johanna. If you have a word you want us to cover, let us know. You can email us at podcasts at sciencefriday.com or, better yet, leave us a message on our brand spanking new phone number. Give us a call, leave us a message, and we might play it on the show. The number is 929-499-WORD. That's 929 499 9673. Science Diction is produced by me and our senior producer and editor, Ella Fetter. Our music is composed by Daniel Peterschmidt. Fact-checking by Robin Palmer. Nadia Ortelt is our chief content officer. And she and Ira Flato hatch up some pretty innovative ideas sometimes. Their latest project is a sci-fi branded energy drink. It's really amazing stuff. It's all pure ingredients, totally organic, gives you energy for days. And the best part? is the name. Nadia gives Ira credit for that. Yeah, yeah. He called it mole juice. See you in a couple weeks. <laughs>